Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 56 for the week ending Monday, May 9th, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masubu. Tempo Mohapi is away this week, but in his place, we have a special guest on the show joining us is Rian Graham, who is Ruckus Wireless's director for Sub-Saharan Africa. How's it, Rian? Good, fine and you? Excellent, man. Glad you could join us. Uh, I know you've recently taken over from a good friend of the show, Michael Fletcher, who's now based abroad, but still in the family at Ruckus, I believe. Yeah, correct. He's still in the family, so it's always uh, good to know that, that you know there's a bigger brother to go to. You know. Well, welcome to you, Rian. And uh, just out of interest, when did Michael hand the reins over? Uh, I officially started the 1st of January 2016. Fantastic. Well, in a short while, we'll get into this week's news and we'll have Rian react to our coverage last week of the partnership that Ruckus had with uh, vast networks to deploy their services at Africa's largest mall, the recently opened Mall of Africa in Midrand, South Africa. So stay tuned for that. A special welcome to all our listeners from around the world jetting into Kigali, Rwanda this week for the World Economic Forum. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And of course, if you're listening to us for the first time, we definitely recommend that you catch up on all our past episodes by heading to africantechroundup.com. You can also give us a shout on social via Twitter and Instagram. Uh, on both platforms, we are at African Roundup, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. But before we get on with the show, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by FreshBooks. For you, the listeners of the African Tech Roundup, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to try out their service. Now, FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. If that sounds good to you, just go to gofreshbooks.com forward slash African Tech and put them to the test. Now, in this week's discussion, we'll be unpacking the importance of Wi-Fi. Why? Because we have an incredible Wi-Fi mind, a Wi-Fi resource here with us in the form of Rian. And uh, we'll be getting into what's the big deal with Wi-Fi. Stick around for that. But right now, let's jump into this week's news. First up, news from Botswana. Two technology entrepreneurs from Botswana have reached the semifinals of a pretty high-profile tech competition called GIST, which stands for Global Innovation Through Science and Technology. Now, you'll forgive me for, for my pronunciation of their names uh, because I'm Debele speaking and not Setswana speaking. Where is Defo when you need him? Well, uh, it's Moses Kebalepile and Naledi Mahowe. Moses is involved with a startup called Asthma Grid, which is a predictive medical device for diagnosis and prognosis of, of asthma. While Naledi is the smarts behind a startup called Magric, which is a USSD-based mobile application that aims to help the country's farmers uh, make better decisions and improve the country's yields. Now, it's interesting how technology is becoming an increasingly bigger play in commercial farming and how some of those learnings can trickle down and potentially help uh, subsistence farmers uh, like the ones in, in Botswana, where apparently uh, agriculture only contributes to something like 2.5% of the GDP. And that's partly due to lack of access to relevant and timely information, which commercial farmers get these days at the click of a button. Yeah, correct. So, uh, you know, with, with the introduction of smart probes a couple of years back, it enables the farmers to very scientifically be able to manage their crops. They understand the soil compositions. They're capable of uh, ensuring that they add the necessary, um, you know, chemicals, etc. Well, not chemicals, but additives to the soil to make sure that they've got a better yielding crop. 
uh, which is which is amazing because a couple of years back we kind of tend to think of farmers, you know, going out on a tractor and uh, you know working in the sun all day. These days they are you know very scientifically planning, and uh, it's all done through through technology that's helping them to to yield better crops, more crops, uh, you know, for the growing population, I suppose. That's true. I think of uh, my home context, my home being Zimbabwe. I mean, there was a recent outbreak of foot and mouth disease uh, in Zimbabwe that you know took the country by storm. Uh, I'd imagine an app like Magric would have been really helpful to to let farmers know, or at least warn them, because the, the, the disease spread because of lack of, of communication. I mean, in a, with a USSD uh, app like this, you could let people know of you know pest and disease factors, um, harsh weather condition factors that people need to watch for, prevent disease spreading as quickly as it did in Zimbabwe. I imagine these might be the kind of things that uh, Naledi is trying to solve, and more power to her, really. Yeah, again, I think it, it just gives you more insight. So, you know, you're taking the guessing out of farming, which is, you know, which is 50% of the battle. Uh, and, uh, you know, the more uh, clever we get with technologies and how we can apply that into agriculture, I think, uh, you know, it bodes well for Africa, for sure, and the rest of the world. And well done to Botswana for, for giving us a news item. We haven't had one from Botswana in a while. Keep them coming. Uh, look, according to GIST, uh, the competition this year uh, attracted 1,075 entrants from 104 countries. And uh, the experts have since trimmed the applicants down to 102, two of which, of course, are from Botswana, which is excellent. So well done to you, Botswana, once again. To Kenya next, a follow-up report on the Angani saga. Now, this unfortunate story keeps unfolding. Uh, the co-founders of that business now claiming that they've been defrauded of over $50,000 by the investors. Um, they're claiming, of course, that they lent the money to the business. Early on, there was an agreement in place saying they would get it back uh, with some interest. Just such a sad issue for what was the poster child of uh, Kenya's startup scene. This is quite unfortunate. I, I know you're not quite familiar with Angani. But perhaps, uh, given your experience, Rian, in being a startup or working for startups or at least being involved with startups in the business you've done over the years, what are your thoughts in terms of starting a business and dotting all the I's and crossing the T's in order to make sure you don't get to the point where you're being fired from your own business and you're basically suing your, your, your investors? I think it's important to make sure that you read the small fine print. Uh, it's always important. As a young entrepreneur, you might be very eager uh, wanted to get going with your business. So you might find a, a new investor getting involved. However, you need to make sure that you look after your best interests at the end of the day. The investor is investing money in your business, but ultimately you own the, the intellectual property. And it's important that you make sure that you safeguard that. So the lesson is make sure you read the fine print and make sure that it's a two-way street and you know both parties need to be served and satisfied. And certainly as an investor, you need to do your due diligence. I know um, things are being pointed at Eric Hirschman of Brick, as well as Miguel Grainer of Investor Development. It's quite easy to point fingers. It's quite another to, to be right, I think. Um, can't say uh, we have enough information to determine whether these chaps have a case or not. It really is sad to see things unravel this way. Uh, I certainly hope it will be uh, sorted sooner than later. And, of course, the really sad thing is all the people who have trusted this company with their data, uh, Angani, of course, being a cloud data business, um, and trust being at the heart of a business like that, it really isn't great to see. But here's to hoping that gets sorted uh, really quickly. 
moving along and bringing it back here to South Africa, MTN and Ericsson have reportedly successfully uh, tried out a new technology called LTEU, uh, the U standing for uh, unlimited. Now, apparently it's a mobile technology innovation that enables higher data speeds, um, uh, which increase network capacity and enhance customer experience. All the things that I'd, I'd imagine Ruckus aims to do with the technologies they roll out, but in a Wi-Fi environment. Yeah, it's similar. And again, I think at the end of the day, it is, um, you know, the Wi-Fi will be uh, complementary to the LTEU systems. Um, I think they are, at the end of the day, trying to, you know, make sure that their customer base is serviced well. Uh, and, yeah, it plays in, in a similar field as, as Wi-Fi. But again, uh, I think Wi-Fi will have its own niche uh, within that segment. Given how important it must be uh, for a, a Wi-Fi client to enjoy a, a decent experience, do you think there's any serious benefit at this point for mobile telcos trying to improve the quality of access for, for users? Yeah, I, I do believe so. Uh, quality is very important. You know, as with anything, if you get frustrated, um, if you want to try and access an app, be it Facebook or whatever, and you've got constant problems trying to get access, you get knocked off or no network service, it becomes frustrating. At the end of the day, the customer starts, you know, the experience is not great. And I think, you know, the danger is always there that the cellular provider that's providing their service will get the blame, not necessarily their fault. Uh, so it's always important to make sure that quality is as good as you can get it. And do you see LTE uh, uh, as a, uh, a technology as a competition to, to Wi-Fi? No, not at all. Um, look, I think uh, LTE is an excellent technology, and uh, Wi-Fi definitely would be a complementary technology to LTE, extending the, uh, the reach of LTE into buildings for sure and you know to the masses so definitely complementary in nature not competitive well uh, moving to nigeria next uh there are now apparently 216 million connected telephone lines in nigeria uh, of those lines only about 149 million apparently are active uh gsm operators by comparison are running 147 million lines uh 1.2 million lines are cdma uh which of course uh, is trying to make a comeback, uh, and uh, fixed wired and wireless operators have only just 176,579 lines in operation at the moment. When you hear those numbers, Rian, uh, what sort of bells go off in your mind in terms of opportunity? Well, the first thing is that we need to acknowledge the fact that uh, it is unbelievably good to see the progress that's been made in Africa, in, in the continent. If we go back 10, 15 years ago, it was a completely different story. Um, and, and to see the amount of connected uh, people in Africa, it's just unbelievably good news. Secondly, uh, the second step is to ensure that, you know, they've got decent quality uh, connectivity throughout the continent. So, and I think, you know, uh, as the technology has evolved, we are fortunate in Africa that um, because of, you know, the way the demographics and the, the layout um, of Africa, it allows us to possibly le leapfrog one or two generations of technologies, um, which is great. Um, very exciting news for us, of course. We see that as a huge opportunity in Nigeria. Um, we feel that Wi-Fi should be a default technology within you know, any given environment today. Uh, globally, 50% uh, 50 of global communications today happen on Wi-Fi. No way, 50%? Close to 50%, correct. That means, effectively, all of those subscribers based in Nigeria, West Africa, East Africa, 
they rely on decent quality connectivity, not just from a GSM perspective, but also more in-home or in-house or in-office, it would relate back to Wi-Fi business. That's so interesting. So unlike, and I imagine when the Nigerian Communications Commission puts out numbers like this, um, the various stakeholders that are represented by those different factions, as it were, fixed line, uh, mobile, etc., see each other's numbers as turf they'd like to conquer. So in this case, uh, based on the numbers we're seeing here, uh, fixed line is winning in Nigeria with 6 million, apparently 6 million uh, new subscribers coming on board just in the last year. But what I'm, what's interesting about what you're saying is you see all of these as potential growth areas and potential complementary players to, to what it is you do and not competition. Yeah, correct. And I think uh, one of the reasons is the, is the, you know, the smartphones. Mobile devices. We've become very reliant and to a large extent dependent on the fact that we can access information whenever we feel like it. Be it on GSM, if you don't have GSM coverage, the second best option is by default Wi-Fi. Um, so yes, you know the the mobile uh, the the smartphones will be driving the access uh, demand for for years to come, and of course you need decent quality Wi-Fi to be able to deliver that uh, that requirement. Which brings us to our discussion point today. We're, we're talking Wi-Fi and, and all the potential. And we're going to use the building I'm looking at just over yonder because uh, we're sitting in your office right now. And we're looking at the Mall of Africa, which, of course, is Africa's largest mall to date. Um, it was open to much fanfare. I can't stand the name, but that's a separate matter altogether. You, um, the ruckus has been involved with vast networks to set up what was advertised or at least what was publicized as uh, Africa's largest single deployment of Wi-Fi in a single location. Uh, please clarify that. We tried, I mean, we touched on it in, in, in the past week. We weren't sure what to make of that news. Uh, why is this such a big deal? Is what you've deployed in a position to service at the same time concurrently? All 126,000 of the people who are said to have visited on the first two days this mall was open. Yes, we were involved with uh, Vast Networks supplying the, the Wi-Fi infrastructure for the Mall of Africa. To give you an idea of, of what the whole press release was about is effectively the Mall of Africa is the largest mall in Africa covering about 131,000 square meters. So it's a, it's a large, large piece of retail property that needs to get covered. Uh, it is also challenging if you take into account the amount of people that we've seen over the first past two days. And this is specifically what makes Ruckus uh, valuable, is the fact that we perform very well in high-density areas. Okay, We've built up a reputation globally of being able to service large amounts of people at, at any given time. And we are more than confident that uh, we'll be able to service the needs of, of the mall you know, in future. So how does this work? We asked on the, on the show last week, is this free Wi-Fi? Uh, when you say you've serviced the mall, uh, who have you serviced? Are you servicing the tenants who then in turn uh, you know, pass it on? How, how does it work? So we've, we've serviced Vast in this case, Vast Networks. They've deployed a, a Wi-Fi network uh, infrastructure throughout the mall. And what they'll be doing is obviously uh, offering different packages from uh, free Wi-Fi for a given period of time uh, up to subscription services. If you're existing Vast customer, you'll have access um, to, to data while you're in the mall. Of course, the, uh, the mall itself, uh, you know, the different tenants within the mall would have uh, a different requirement. Uh, you know, it, I think, for instance, interesting information that they would want is the amount of people that travel in and out of the mall. How many people are stopping by their shops? Uh, is there any return customers? How often is there return customers? So this is a completely new way of having a look at 
traditional Wi-Fi. So what Vast is doing is they are taking the, you know, the typical connected information and they are capable of converting that into detailed business-related information. Uh, it'll definitely drive um, potential revenues for the uh, mall owners because they'll be able to understand the footfall, the amount of people coming in and out of the mall. They'll be able to track that um, accurately. And secondly, the owners, uh, the shop owners within the mall will be able to, to get a handle on how many return visitors do I have, um, you know, what specials works on given time frames, you know, maybe of the week or, or, or the month. So it just gives them much more feel and, and sticky data to work with, which traditionally has not been there in the past. Okay, so how is how is fixed line and say mobile not a competitor to you in that space? <clears throat> Given how, as a shop owner in that space, I could arguably, you know, sign up with Telcom, say, and offer my my customers Wi-Fi that way. Well, I think with fixed line you won't be able to get that kind of data purely because uh, when you're within the mall, you're typically roaming throughout the whole property. Um, with fixed line, you need to be at a physical static point. So again, I think the type of data you'll be able to get from a fixed line just wouldn't apply. Uh, what makes this interesting is, of course, uh, you can start building patterns. So you can understand what people like, what they don't like. Um, that will drive in future most likely uh, promotions because you understand the, the, the people that come to the mall and to, to the shops specifically. So you can understand what kind of specials will drive more feet into the shops. Uh, so there's a lot of analytics that goes, that lives in the background that will most definitely, um, you know, be driving business in future for them. And you need mobile to do that. I, say, I suppose you see mobile in terms of the telco and in, in the infrastructure they provide really as uh, a conduit to be able to do this in order to reach the client because you're, they're in the client's pockets, essentially. So in effect, once, once you arrive at the mall and you enter the mall, as long as you've got Wi-Fi connected on your smartphone, it will be able to connect to the uh, infrastructure, the, the, the Wi-Fi infrastructure. And again, given the fact that your device will be constantly um, polling the Wi-Fi infrastructure, it enables us to understand where the traffic flow is, you know, where the highlights is. And typically, one would imagine it's the food courts. Just as an example. Yes, I got you. How, how, in your mind, would the mobile telcos not see that as competition, given as long as they're on your Wi-Fi network, why do you need them and their network? Well, still, again, with, with Wi-Fi, you are limited to, to a fairly close area. Uh, so you need to be fairly close to your APs, access points, uh, to get connectivity. And, again, uh, it is for pure data, so it's not for voice calling. Etc. So again, it's a it's an overlay network, and it's pre predominantly focused on on data services. Uh, whereas your mobile operators, the predominantly service they would you know typically be voice call, and then you've got data access as a secondary service on the phone. And how many years away do you think we are from Defo Mohapi's dream, which is free Wi-Fi for all, literally driving anywhere you'd like, anywhere in Johannesburg or any major city uh, in Africa, Accra. Uh, Lagos, etc., and just literally not needing a mobile network? Well, look, I think uh, the Internet of Things is definitely driving that. As devices become smarter and as, uh, you know, Wi-Fi technologies gets implemented in more commonly used um, devices, uh, we'll start seeing that happening. Um, you know, I think we, we are still many years away from, uh, you know, living in, a, in an environment where there's, there's actually no telco cost. 
There's got to be infrastructure. If there's infrastructure, somebody needs to pay for it. Uh, I think what we will find is that the cost of, of, of data access will be decreasing significantly over the, you know, probably the next five to seven years for sure. So if you could uh, paint a per- the, the perfect blueprint, the perfect partnership between all the existing major players in terms of infrastructure, so the fixed line players, uh, the major players here in South Africa, the, you know, the traditional, uh, the, telco, the telecom and, and the mobile telcos like Vodacom and MTN, if you could create the perfect ecosystem in which you were, you know, Ruckus was part of and, and Wi-Fi as a, as, as a whole was a part of, what would it look like? What would the interdependency and the, the, the gameplay be like? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, look, at the end of the day, it would, it would be very good if we could have a completely interconnected infrastructure. So in other words, from your fixed line over to your mobile phones, mobile operators, straight through to Wi-Fi, all living in, in uh, a harmonious environment. So in other words, seamless handover, seamless connectivity, regardless if you're moving from the fixed line into the mobile operator environment or into a confined area where Wi-Fi is best suited. To have that happen seamlessly without you having to engage uh, you know, to actually get it activated. Uh, that that would be absolutely awesome. And I think we're moving in that direction. So ultimately, one day you will find that you will have uh, ubiquitous, continuous connectivity to the internet, regardless what you're using. And that will happen in the background. Your, your device will become smart enough to identify uh, which one has the best signal, uh, the best quality of service, and it will by default dynamically do this without you having to intervene and step in and select what you want. I think that's ultimately what we're working towards. So some months ago, in an interview with me, Tetonyati said to me that the challenge with Wi-Fi is that, uh, or the idea of free Wi-Fi uh, as, you know, free public Wi-Fi, is that it, it basically challenges commercial entities that have done really good work and have invested in, in serious infrastructure that enable this whole thing to happen uh, to provide services for free. What does the model look like then? I mean, how, how does everyone make money? How does everyone make this a sustainable ecosystem everyone benefits from? Well, again, this is, this is the challenge. Currently, the, the, I think the monetization is, is the big challenge. How do you ultimately get a sound business model that can serve both Needs So the one is to have very cost-effective or free Wi-Fi access. And then secondly, the guys that's building it and putting down the cash to actually build it, how do they get their money back over a long period of time? Um, there's a number of, of business models out there currently. Uh, but again, I think it's a combination of, of um, you know, public-private partnerships, um, uh, governmental involvement. Uh, but ultimately, I think... You know, the the goal and the dream is it would be great to have, you know, just free Wi-Fi access. But again, realistically, we have to concede that there's infrastructure that needs to be built. There's physical cost that needs to be absorbed. Um, but I think, yeah, in partnership, um, you know, it, it can be done to a large extent. Um, you know, so I'm hopeful that we'll see a significant reduction in, in data costs specifically over the next couple of years to the point where it becomes uh, – you know, acceptable uh, and accessible to, to the mass. And what do you say to people who've been burnt by Wi-Fi before, whether it's um, business people, commercial interests that have invested in infrastructure before, only to be let down when people experienced it and it, it maybe uh, was, it became a liability to their brand uh, and the, the way people experienced it. Also to people like me who, you know, have 
you know, walked into an airport sometime and certain brand name, you know, Wi-Fi providers come up and because of past experiences of that Wi-Fi not having been great, um, I look down on the, on, on the technology and, and probably don't rate it and, and prefer 4G, you know, and uh, what do you say to, to people like that who don't quite get or aren't quite as enthusiastic as you are in terms of Wi-Fi? I think what what needs to be said is is that the technology Wi-Fi has been around for, for quite some time. And it's only in the recent past, I'd say probably the past five years, that it's really come into its own. And everybody's starting to understand its value and its, its, you know, its role within the, the larger telecom space. Um, however, in the early days, you know, it, it has happened in the past where you had, um, you know, companies that didn't have the required skill sets. They would deploy, deploy the technology, and it might not necessarily even be the Wi-Fi as such that's causing the problem. However, the experience that you are getting is that, oh, the Wi-Fi is terrible, and that creates a negative perception towards the technology. However, the problem might not necessarily be Wi-Fi. It might be in, in the LAN network. And yet the perception now is, well, Wi-Fi is bad because it's slow. Uh, so I think it's very important that you do quality designs. You make 100% sure that you've got good signal strength. And you make sure that the, the physical installation is done professionally. If the design is right, the installation is properly done, there should be no reason why you don't have a good quality experience with Wi-Fi. It's been around for long enough and it's proven itself time and time again. Which is why hats off again to the incumbents, uh, the, t the mobile telcos and the fixed line companies who, quite frankly, have done a, a reasonably good job at making sure we, we, we've come to expect a very high standard of service in, in many parts of Africa. Of course, sketchy in some, <laughs> certainly in parts of Africa where, you know, where, um, there's still parts in Africa where we don't expect uh, mobile networks to deliver great service. Um, but I think by and large, we've all started to we've all started to come to expect a certain level of a standard of, of service. And are you, are you up to that in, in terms of like delivering that level of service in terms of Wi-Fi and, yeah. and standing up to that sort of expectation? Yeah, for sure. There's no reason why we why it should not. Uh, again, it it all comes back down to the actual physical RF design. If you design it properly, similar to the GSM networks, if your coverage is great and your, your signal is strong enough, you will have good quality of service. It's as simple as that. So, again, it's the building blocks that needs to be in place. And if that is done properly, you will have a, a decently serviced uh, environment with, with great experience. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Rian Graham on the reason why he believes Wi-Fi is the next big thing, at least the best thing since sliced bread, I believe. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, easily. You are slightly biased, only slightly biased because you had ruckus. But of course, yeah, it's been an interesting conversation. I, it often confuses me. I, I'm not uh, as technologically savvy as therefore, so I'm, I'm sad he couldn't be here to sort of ask you more uh, direct technical questions. But um, you've certainly given me a, a much better understanding of why uh, it's such a big deal. The achievement you, you and Vast Networks have, um, the achievement you've made in, in deploying at the Mall of Africa and the implications it potentially has for, for further deployments of this nature and size elsewhere, not just in South Africa, but the rest of the, the continent. And I'm beginning to understand and appreciate uh, the value of Wi-Fi far more. And perhaps I might be leaning to, towards believing what Defo says, which is uh, or, or a free Wi-Fi might be the best thing to happen to Africa if it were to happen. I'm still leaning towards uh, an HIV vaccine. Uh, <laughs> I do believe that would be the best innovation. But nonetheless, Wi-Fi, really important. Thank you so much, Rian, for joining me and helping me uh, unpack this. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
Certainly. And uh, listen, we don't want to close you out of this discussion. Do you have any thoughts on Wi-Fi, strong or otherwise? Uh, what has your experience been? Have you experienced Wi-Fi in a way that makes you think it is the wave of the future? It is indeed, uh, as Rian believes, the best thing since sliced bread. Or are you skeptical of a future that uh, involves that technology? Either way, we want to hear from you. Give us a shout on Twitter. The handle is at African Roundup. And of course, you can drop us an email. The email address is hello at africantechroundup.com. Once again, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by FreshBooks. Are you a freelancer or small business owner trying to get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster? If you are, well, FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. If that sounds too good to be true, well, you don't have to take my word for it. Go to gofreshbooks.com forward slash African Tech and put them to the test. And that's the week's show, folks. If you've missed any of our episodes, please feel free to check them all out at africantechroundup.com. Also, be sure to listen in again next week. Uh, the next episode, of course, drops as per usual, 9 a.m. Central African time. Uh, another big thank you to my guest today, sitting in for the uh, the homie, Tefo Mohapi, Rian Graham. Thank you so much again for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Otherwise, it's cheers from me, Andy Lemasugu, and you just heard Rian Graham signing off. Take it easy. Peace, Africa.